Hello and welcome to episode 264 of Some Like It, Scott. I'm your host, Scott Harvey, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Scott Shelton. And today on the podcast, we don't have a new release to review, but we do have a big topic in the world of movies to discuss. We'll finally be diving in on the nominations for the 96th Academy Awards. But first, how are you, Scott? I'm good. I'm still in recovery after our four-hour episode, our traditional uh, episode that is, you know, one of one of two episodes, it's fair to say, goes the distance in terms of podcast length. But I feel sufficiently recovered. I really haven't been watching that many movies recently, mainly because I watched m- most of the stuff earlier this year at the New York Film Festival, what there was to quote-unquote like catch up on. And so I've sat, I've sort of been taking it easy, watching some old stuff here and there, watching some TV watching true detective right now so i'm back in my tv era and yeah just sort of taking it easy resting up before we gotta uh, you know march march 1st big time we're so back uh with dune part two so i'm really just sort of saving myself for that a lot of january february garbage out there in terms of new releases i've dodged what seems like a few bullets on uh in the dumpuary era Mainly, well, maybe controversially, Argyle, I don't know, yeah. Mean Girls, but certainly Argyle this past weekend. Yeah. And I think there's been, you know, uh, was, what's the swimming pool movie? The haunted swimming pool movie, Night Swim? Night Swim, another, yeah. another, not quite Megan, is what I hear from last yeah, year. Yeah, another Blumhouse January release, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of, lot of stuff, a lot of landmines out there in the movie landscape for January and February. So I've steered clear. Madam Web, I think I'm probably going to end up seeing this movie, but I have a feeling it's going to be the same vibe. Um, but that looks like it could be one of those things to be like, you walk out of the movie and you're just like, wow, it's we're like Moonfall. I, I have a feeling it's like going to be Moonfall territory for me. Oh, I hope not. Uh, That's so, not so, good. So bad I I'm had a good time in the gonna theater. Be, I'm hoping it's going to be Venom territory. That's the best case scenario. Uh, look, no, no comment on that. I, <laughs> I think it wouldn't, it wouldn't be good territory for me. I'll tell you that much. I'd almost prefer it to be Moonfall in terms of at least I, at least I thought it was absolutely unbelievable while I was watching it. But yeah, I think there's a few more landmines to dodge in February, January time frame. I mean, we're in February now, but the the holdover movie, so to speak. And then yeah, in March maybe maybe we're finally back. You know. Yeah, I think, you know, we're getting there for sure. I I haven't watched a movie in like a week, honestly. It's been kind of crazy. Just I've had stuff going on. I had a mock trial tournament that I was at this past weekend. Um, So that consumed all of my time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I don't know. I feel like now it's just kind of like in this weird middle ground, like you're saying, between there are, you know, for me, at least there are still a couple 2023 movies that are going to be trickling out like perfect days in a couple weeks. But um otherwise it is just kind of waiting for 2024 to really start because all i've seen so far is mean girls and uh what uh, the book of clarence right the the one 2024 movie that we've reviewed on the podcast though arguably book of clarence 2023 film eligible for oscars this year so yeah just just you know i'm not interested in having these conversations uh but yes you, you're you are correct that um it can certainly be reasonably argued that it is a 2023 film but yeah dune's going to be the first with big one and i look forward to kicking it off with you when the time comes but before we get there scott we have the business of the 96th annual academy awards to deal with 
Um, the awards are going to be held, of course, on March the 10th. Um, so in a little over a month from when we are recording this, the nominations have been out for a couple of weeks now, but we haven't really had the forum to talk about them. Uh, so why don't we just dive right in, Scott? Let's go straight to the top with uh, the films that received the most nominations at this year's Academy Awards. No surprise, topping the list is, of course, Oppenheimer with 13 nominations. Christopher Nolan's film falling just one short of the all-time record held by a couple of movies. But um, and Can we all agree it should have been 14? Incredible that it wasn't 14. They weren't even on the long list for visual effects, which is unbelievable, yeah. but whatever. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy to say that a movie with 13 nominations got snubbed, but uh, yeah, no, I think the visual effects, you know, whatever. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three was was better, I guess. I mean, I haven't. I mean, seen it wasn't even on the long list for me. That's what that's what gets me. It's yeah. just like, what is ha what ha what happened? Yeah. They didn't they didn't like him uh, blowing up miniatures in the desert. I guess I don't know. No, no idea, no idea, Scott. But maybe they were just conspiring to. Uh, to yeah. keep it the fixes away from the record to, to, yeah. to not tie the record. I don't know. Maybe yeah. James Cameron was he, he had some uh, some pull in the uh, the VFX artist room. But I um, get the feeling that Big Jim and and Chris are probably friends. They so, probably are. They, yeah. they, 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 they seem to have similar worldviews. But Oppenheimer at the top with 13 uh, and then the other sort of big uh, films as far as nominations. Poor Things getting 11 nominations. The Yorgos Lanthimos film. And Killers of the Flower Moon, of course, Martin Scorsese's movie with 10 nominations. Those are sort of the top three there on the list. Scott, let's start with Oppenheimer. Yep. Obviously, this is the favorite to win Best Picture and, you know, yeah. to potentially, as many people are saying, to, to do some sort of a sweep, right? Something similar to what we saw last year with Everything Everywhere All at Once winning, uh, in the case of Everything Everywhere All at Once, winning Best Picture, Director, three acting awards, and screenplay. Um, of course, in the case of Oppenheimer, it is nominated in three acting categories, but is only likely to win two, maybe only one. But Our, Yeah, I think yeah. that's a big point of discussion we can talk about but, here in a minute in Best Actor. But. Yeah, but it has a very good chance to win two acting categories, Best Picture, Director, um, and Screenplay, Adapted Screenplay. And then, of course, looking below the line, it's also the favorite in... A number of categories you know uh sound original score editing all of these are, are categories that you would expect um oppenheimer to win do you see the oppenheimer sweep in the card scott do you think there's anything that can stop uh the, that bomb from going off on march the 10th yeah i i think that they're in terms of just purely best picture i don't i don't really see a path for anything to get in its way it, it feels like and I don't want to stifle conversation. Maybe we'll talk about other categories in a minute. But for for a few of the categories, they they feel like slam dunks. You know, maybe the most obvious ones being picture, maybe director, supporting actor. I think that's the case. It feels sort of on the bubble slash in a you know in a tight neck and neck race in categories like actor, in categories like uh, adapted screenplay. I'm actually not even sure off the top of my head is it if it's the favorite. I haven't looked at the odds recently on adapted screenplay. And then below the line, it always just feels like a total crapshoot. You know, the original score category is like just infamously bizarre in what it chooses to win. 
I feel like a lot of the time, if I'm remembering correctly, like what is the last, what like, I remember, like what are the last few years best best original score? What is what has won that? Uh, I don't recall uh, honestly what's won it in the last couple of years. Uh, the last one, that all I... quiet on the Western Front, won last year. Okay, Hans yeah. Zimmer won for Dune the year before. Soul, so Reznor and Ross before that. Right, Hilton. because because uh, All Quiet on the Western Front has like those two chords that basically just repeat for the entire movie, and that was deemed to be the best original score last year. I, you know, shade, shade aside, I I did like the score for All Quiet on the Western Front. I know a lot of people were big mad about Babylon. Justin Hurwitz not not winning last year, and back in twenty twenty, if we, yeah, back in twenty twenty, if you want to, uh, I don't know, portend anything. Ludovic Gorenson, who has won an Academy Award for Best Original Score before for Black Panther, was not nominated for Tenet, a score which absolutely rips. Uh, so he is nominated this year for Oppenheimer. I don't know whether he's going to win. Like, I looked down the category and I'm like, this is kind of a weak category, but honestly, like weak choices besides Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, I'd argue. I mean, the if fact there's... that you don't have the two that we talked about last week, right? You don't have Joseph Hasaishi. You don't have Daniel Pemberton who for me were the two and three um, would round out sort of the top three scores from last year. But like, you, you know, I don't want to make this a best original score conversation, but I think the point is, is that there's different spots where I think you should expect Oppenheimer to win big. Will it hit the, is it eight awards that uh, everything everywhere all at once last year, so, something, so, yeah. ar- something around that. I don't know if it will get all the way there, partially because I feel like below the line, you have films like Barbie and Poor Things in a couple key categories that I think will prove to be pretty strong uh, opposition for them. Like, for example, production design. Production design. Yeah. yeah, I think production design, costume design. There's there is pretty good converse, competition, makeup and hairstyling. I'm not saying that Oppenheimer couldn't do that, and I think if you're starting to see that early in the show, it could be one of those times where like, oh, is it going to get to ten? wins or something like that if some of those below the category or sorry below the line categories go oppenheimer's way i know it won't they won't set a record i don't think i mean what's the record for wins 12 didn't look like return I think of the so. king. lord of the rings i think yeah return of the king the record, something yeah. like that yeah so <laughs> i don't think that it's going to get there i mean it's obviously possible it's nominated in 13 different categories but it seems like there's no path to victory for best supporting actress friendly blunt so at the best it could perform would be 12 and and that would be a little bit surprising because of these a few of these below the line categories but it could it certainly could be a very big night for Oppenheimer for Christopher Nolan for Emma Thomas everyone involved yeah no it it certainly seems like it's going to be that way I think you're right on some of the categories you've called out there like production design seems like it's going to be Sarah Greenwood for Barbie of course um, you know, yeah, or the, poor the things. Categ- it feels like the like it's Barbie and poor sure, things yeah. competing for the for the win in that category. Yeah, and then you know, costume design. It's it's a weird split because the Academy does seem to favor period costumes, right? Which of course uh, Oppenheimer is, and you know, we we've seen period costumes seem to win a lot. That includes, however, poor that things. Jacqueline Duran, who and did the costumes Barbie. for Barbie, won. Uh, just a few years ago for Little Women. That was Little Women's one Oscar. So um, kind of a, 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 an interesting race to watch there, I guess. Will they will they give it to Jacqueline Duran again for doing something that is not a period costume this time, or will they lean towards um, Oppenheimer? 
which you know is the is the more traditional costumes i guess because um, yeah, because they also have in the costume design cool. category they have killers of the flower moon so if you want to talk about yeah you know period pieces there's another period piece sure. napoleon period piece poor things a different but also a period piece you know it's it's one of those weird to be to be yeah. fair, I guess Ruth Carter did win twice for Black both Black Panther movies. So, you know, those are not necessarily period costumes. Um, so it, it could go either way. Um, but maybe a, another area where Oppen the Oppenheimer sweep will be stymied a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you overall. Scott, looking further, again, I mentioned Poor Things and Killers of the Flower Moon, the next movies in line. Um, you know, not, not surprising that they have this amount of nominations. Perhaps in a vacuum, surprising that a movie as idiosyncratic as Poor Things um, is the second most nominated film. But of course, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos's last movie, The Favorite, which maybe was a little less idiosyncratic, but is still a you know offbeat, out there movie, um, also got something like ten nominations, I believe, um, in its given year, and was was either number one or number two in terms of the number of nominations that it received that year. So um, he he obviously is well liked and respected among the Academy. I don't know how many awards this is going to win. Um, you know, best actress, it certainly has a chance. We've mentioned, you know, best production design, costume design, maybe best uh, original score. I believe it's also nominated um, there. Uh, but, you know, remains to be seen how many it will actually win. But certainly an achievement for Yorgos Lanthimos to get this movie uh, nominated in 11 different categories. Yeah, and, and it's kind of crazy. Maybe this segues into a conversation. I know that there's other people we want to talk about, but probably, frankly, its best chance to win an Oscar is probably in the Best Actress category, which is yeah. you know maybe a little bit surprising to say, given how it felt like it was Lily Gladstone's to lose. Maybe that's being too generous for a really long stretch of time before Emma Stone has come on pretty strong once once the film released more widely and was more widely available in January. But besides that, like, unfortunately, it feels like this film is going to be spoiled by, you know, Barbie and production design. It's going to be spoiled by Maestro, maybe, and makeup and hairstyle. Like, makeup and hairstyle is probably the other chance that it has mostly again below the line maybe costume design probably barbie spoiling it again it, it's they're tight races but it just it's going to be kind of funny that like this film has 11 nominations but it, it's probably not actually intensely competing for more than one or two awards which yeah. it happens that i mean we saw that last year and we've seen that with i mean I'm, that comes to mind something like the irishman and with Scorsese, I feel like there's ago. always a movie or two like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's probably going to, unfortunately, it's probably going to be true for Killers of the Flower Moon as well. Speaking of Scorsese, which maybe we'll get onto in a few minutes. But yeah, it, because Oppenheimer is so strong in so many categories, and because Barbie is, which we're going to get to in a moment, I understand as well, is very strong in, in specific below the line categories, it, it doesn't leave a ton of room for other films or when it does, it's these almost like specialty type movies that are coming in and winning one award, like anatomy of a fall, which yes, did receive a handful of nominations, but really best original screenplay is what it's going to be the favorite for. And 
then you have like Godzilla minus one. Not that poor things is competing in visual effects. Uh, I don't even think it was nominated, but Godzilla minus one comes in and, and is, you know, one of the favorites up there with like the creator, which would be another like sort of specialty film, right? That's highly competitive in the visual effects category. So you have these sort of like almost, I don't want to call them one offs, right? But this notion of, of you have these behemoths like Oppenheimer and Barbie, and then especially films that sort of hoover up all the other awards. And so it's it's hard for poor, some, a movie like Poor Things to compete in that environment. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, another movie that it may be having tough sledding, you alluded to it there, Scotty, is Killers of the Flower Moon with 10 nominations. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, another one where the, the best case that it has best best uh you know chance that it has to win an academy award seems to be the best actress category there like we're saying with four things it seems to be lily gladstone uh or bust perhaps for killers of the flower moon you know we mentioned maybe a costume designer original score it will get a look but of course you know one of the bigger snubs that happened in the nominations is that uh david grant eric roth and martin scorsese were not nominated for their adapted screenplay for killers of the flower moon um and they have know, barbie kind of, kind of, for that kind of a, probably yeah pr probably so kind of a shocking omission but again when you look at the films in this category it is a strong year for this category all five of the films are movies that are nominated for best picture american fiction barbie oppenheimer poor things and the zone of interest so um interesting interesting that uh that the zone of interest we don't have to go deep into this is is an adapted screenplay because it is adapted technically from martin amos's novel but it is vastly different from uh the so is killers of the flower moon from what i understand that is true that is true um and i guess oppenheimer was able to distill you know uh, a huge biography and I, I mean maybe i guess this is just what what adapted screenplays are, are about so honestly i'm not as red and mad as I have been about this category in the past, because there's it, a it just feels like Barbie should have been an original screenplay. I don't like, yeah, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, I mean, it is it is an interesting decision because they made the decision presumably because they think they'll have the better chance uh, there. But now they are competing with no, 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 no. This is the the Academy ruled that it had to be an adapted screenplay. It campaigned for original screenplay where it almost right. certainly would okay. have had a better right. chance of winning. Yes, yeah. But anyway, it definitely doesn't have a, a, a you know a better chance in adapted. Um, no, because that's the you have Oppenheimer. Sure. Yeah, you have Oppenheimer, and you have. I mean, I, I even think American Fiction could get a look in that category because it is kind of a screenplay movie, if you will, and speaks to like some. Well, it wants to speak to some hot button issues. I'm not sure that the the issues that it's mining are quite as of the moment as maybe it thinks, but. We're not here to review American fiction. Anyway, it is that type of movie, though, that you could see coming in and stealing a... Uh, it's a tight race. Yeah, yeah, it's a tight race between Oppenheimer, American fiction, and Barbie. And then I think it's Poor Things and Zone of Interest trailing considerably. We've talked a lot about Barbie already, Scott. So I think we should move on because it's the next movie on the list with eight nominations. Obviously, sure. it is the highest grossing movie of the year, earned over a billion worldwide. Um, and so, you know, a, a lot to celebrate there for Barbie. And then it gets the eight nominations. But 
much of the conversation around uh, Barbie and the Oscars has been the omissions, right? Has been toxic. Uh, sorry. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, people, yes, it has. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can we can address that, but yeah. yeah. Um, the omission, the major omissions being Margot Robbie not nominated for Best Act- Actress, Greta Gerwig not nominated for Best Director, um, and not an omission, an inclusion, but something that was unexpected, right, is yep. that America Ferreira ends up getting a Best Supporting Actress nomination. Yeah. Um, of course, Ryan Gosling nominated for Best Supporting Actor. That was expected. Mm-hmm. Um, but lots and lots of uproar about uh Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie's exclusions and what it may or may not mean uh as far as you know the perceived sexism in the academy which is something that we have commented on many many times in the past uh that I was uh to use my phrase again was getting red and mad about uh it about four years ago when Little Women was excluded from best director Uh, I think it's safe to say it's a little bit more complex here um you know, uh, with with this year's nominations, because particularly in the case of Greta Gerwig's director nomination or lack thereof, um, you know, you look at the nominees for best director and unlike in 2019, when you had Todd Phillips for Joker, um, there's not an obvious person to omit here. You have Jonathan Glazer for The Zone of Interest, Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer, Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon. And also crucially, a, a female director is nominated because Justine Triet um, was nominated for Anatomy of a Fall. Not that, um, you know, there has there's there, there needs to be a there's cap no quotas. of one. There's right? no quotas. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, if anything, Jonathan Glazer might be the person who took Gerwig's spot if you want to put that. But if, if you want to put it that way. But certainly I think he's deserving of a nomination because he did an excellent job directing um, directing the zone of interest. And then you look at best actress and, you know, again, a, a, a tight category. Um, of course, Lily Gladstone, Emma Stone, Sandra Hulaire were mo- mainly locks. And then you have Carrie Mulligan and Annette Benning getting in. You know, I, I guess if people are want somebody to blame, maybe it's Annette Benning here um, getting in for, for NIAD. But it is certainly the classic Academy biopic performance that they love to nominate and often give the award to. Of course, she's not going to win the award, but um, her getting the nomination over Margot Robbie is not necessarily surprising. But I would argue that it is if we want to if if there's a, a bigger injustice between the two, it's probably lying there because I do think that. Uh, Margot Robbie would have to deserved it over Annette Bening or or honestly over um, Carrie Mulligan, who I, I mean, I, I don't know. I wasn't the, the hugest fan of her performance in Maestro at times. So um, but but I don't think either omission is certainly the miscarriage that has been made out to be. Scott, your thoughts? I certainly don't think that the omissions are the miscarriages that people describe them as. I mean, not to go into like the outlandish things people were saying online th- things that you truly wouldn't believe that people would be saying online about this film and how and it snubs i mean just some bizarre stuff being thrown around which obviously sours my and i don't want to speak for you but probably sours your opinion on the whole thing as well but to me in my mind justine triette does take her play i know you were saying maybe it's jonathan glazer but i do think it's justine triette who takes the sort of fifth spot in best director just because i think 
Glazer's like sort of prestige, like he's a much more known quantity in the award circles. Not that he's been nominated for best director before. I don't believe he has. You can correct me if I'm wrong there. But he seems to be a much more known quantity. I think The Zone of Interest was always going to be a film that appealed to the Academy voting body, especially as it's become more and more international over the years, which all things which were true for Justine Triad as well. But I think that the truth is, is that Barbie was a commercial success. And in many ways, I don't want to be reductive to it. It's being treated, you know, maybe even slightly better than, but like a comic book movie, because yeah, it's sort of that sort of IPification of something. And I don't think that we should be, I don't think it's a surprise that even though it is a well-regarded director who, or well-regarded director in Greta Gerwig, at the same time, in the Academy's eyes, I don't think it's that different than if Greta Gerwig had directed an MCU movie. And obviously that's maybe a crass comparison, but it's not like it just it, it isn't that big of a surprise surprise to me. I know we were talking about maybe a couple of weeks ago about how she was going to get in. But at the same time, I think you can see why when you think about what this movie was, you can see why she's not being included. I mean, personally, I don't think that she should be in the category this year. I think she should have been in the category back four years ago and for Little Women, 100 yeah. percent. I'm there. I'm there with you. We talked about it ad nauseum at the time. But here it's like she's not one of the five best directors. I wouldn't take any of these people out of the category to replace her with them. And Margot Robbie is sort of on the bubble for me in Best Actress. I think I'd definitely be okay with taking Annette Benning out, for example, and putting her in. But none of these people are competing for the award. Like that race is between two people and it's Emma Stone and Lily Gladstone. So maybe if Margot Robbie changed her name to Margot Robbie Stone, she'd have a chance to win the award this year. Clearly, you need to have Stone in your last name to be in contention. But overall, uh, this isn't that big of an injustice. I think the film was still nominated for eight awards it's what the fourth most nominated film of the year and probably is going to be the film that wins the second most awards of the night but when all is said and done i'd imagine it just doesn't really seem that that crazy to me and it's still it's still being honored in best picture like it's not like people are saying this is a crap movie the film is probably what like running like fourth for best picture and margot robbie is a producer so, yeah, so she, she is, is nominated, nominated and so is greta best picture yeah yeah and who is also um, obviously a co-writer on the film, so nominated for adapted screenplay as well. Yeah, listen again. I, I'm one of the chief, you know, people in the complaining about Greta Gerwig not getting yeah. Oscar nominations camp. Yeah, but honestly, I think we should redirect some of this energy to the fact that uh, neither Sofia Coppola or Kelly Reichardt were considered for best director. Of course, never neither one of them really had a chance, but. Other female directors who, in my opinion, did a better job, made better films this year than uh, Greta Gerwig did with Barbie. Um, there was there was a tweet going around that was pointing out now that with Lily Gladstone's nomination, that all of the uh, the actresses from Kelly Reichardt's movie Certain Women have now been nominated for an Oscar between Gladstone, Kristen Stewart, Laura Dern, and Michelle Williams. And uh, it just occurred to me when upon reading that, that somehow the director of certain women has never been nominated for an Oscar. So we got to get on that. Um, and, you know, Sofia Coppola certainly could have been nominated, too. This is another thing that people have pointed out to that, that the only woman who has ever been nominated twice in this category is Jane Campion. 
Um, and so just kind of a, a strange uh, quirk of the, the best director category that only one woman's ever been nominated twice. And Sofia Coppola has been nominated before. So, uh, you know, that that um, that is just another weird quirk, like I said. But ultimately, yeah, I, I don't think this is certainly not the deal, the huge deal that uh, it's been made out to be. Um, I, I see, you know, I, I do think some of the outrage comes from the fact you bring up the comic book movie comparison. Yes, I think the Academy is absolutely looking at it in that way. I think, you know, some of the outrage comes from the fact that it's not a comic book movie, though. It actually is trying to, you know, make some sort of commentary about the role of women in society. Um, and the fact that it's being lumped in with something that has no message or commentary um, is perhaps okay. a bit Okay, harsh. I don't, I, I don't agree. I don't agree with that. But that's I don't okay. agree. I don't agree either. But I do think that that's uh what's okay. driving a lot of the the discussion but i just i just think that that the biggest fans of this film are people who don't like comic book movies and they don't like the thing that they like being called a comic book movie i mean maybe there's some like deeper like like thing going on there but i think most of the like a majority of the people who are huge fans of this movie don't care about comic book films not that they don't like them not that they but it's just like the fact that this is being called like the new ms no one's calling it the new mcu but the fact that it would be compared to such a thing is like yeah. you know their their heads explode like you know what I mean? I don't know. It's it's not that different to me. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a fair point. But uh, yeah, so that that's Barbie. That's, you know, the Barbie uh, controversy, if you will. Perhaps much ado about nothing. You know, if um, Barbie had just, you know, been a victim of a genocide, then... <laughs> Margot Robbie could have gotten into uh, the best the best actress category. Yeah, just just quoting from the where, what was it? LA, LA Times. Times. Yeah, yeah op-ed from horrific op-ed. Yeah. yeah, by someone. Yeah, uh, who <laughs> unbelievable. Referred to the, the Osage genocide. I, I don't even remember the flippant way in which she described it, but um, uh. yeah, it was it was pretty horrifying. Don't go look it up. And yeah, another thing, Scott, just sort of as the last point on this, I think people are just forgetting that America Ferreira gets nominated in Best Supporting Actress. Mm -hmm. That was not expected at all, right? So honestly, the, the the craziest the craziest thing of the other of the three things we're the discussing right now. <laughs> surprise of all the acting categories. Yeah, is that she gets in? She was not expected to get in by pretty much anyone. She hadn't really been in any of the precursors. Um, no. but she she gets the nomination for. You know, yes, I understand Margot Robbie's the face of the movie, but like, you know, America Ferreira has the scene, right? She has the monologue in the movie, which, you know, is the thing that is maybe the biggest talking point from the movie. So I, I feel like the Academy, rec not, again, not that I want to defend the Academy, but the Academy recognizing her role in the movie probably comes a lot from that scene, which is, you know, getting at the message getting really to the heart of the message of the movie. And so I almost feel like they are acknowledging that part of the movie by nominating America Ferreira in Best Supporting Actress. But that doesn't... Which really makes sense because the also. core of the... Because Barbie, at the core of the film, as a character, barely acknowledges that core tenet of the film at all because she's yeah. so willing to accept the Kens back and whatnot. But we don't need to reload. We don't need to reload again, Barbie here. <laughs> we do not. We've done enough uh, moving on to the... Uh, next film, Scott Maestro, with seven sure. nominations, of course, Bradley Cooper. Cut to um, Bradley Cooper is, crying in the corner. 
his film, yeah, you know, this this was one that he really uh, had intended to be a big Oscar player. I mean, seven nominations is nothing to sneeze at, but uh, I would say that Hair and Makeup is probably his only real chance at winning anything, um, yep. unfortunately, for Bradley Cooper. I don't think the seven nominations is probably going to be that much of a consolation to um, to him. And it's a film that really seems to have maybe the most divided reaction of, of any other film that's nominated for best picture um, from, from what I've seen. Um, but yeah, Scott, your thoughts on Maestro seven nominations, anything you want to add there? Brad, it's an honor to be nominated. That's all. That's all I have to say for you. Yeah. That's pretty much all there is to say. Um, Unfortunately, that's not going to like, as you said, that that's not going to be very satisfying to him because he clearly, he wants it so bad. And he should have gotten it. And to be fair, he should have gotten it for A Star is Born. Like he should have, the movie should have been respected more. His contributions to that film in terms of directing, in terms of acting, should have been recognized more. But yeah, even someone who liked Maestro on this podcast, me, no, he's not He's not winning stuff this year. I just worry. Makeup and hairstyle and like very well. I think it's, yeah. I think they are the favorite for that. But yeah, beyond that, I don't see any, any action. I just worry that he's on the verge of just making the most Oscar bait film of all time. You know, just he, he's reaching desperation. Bradley Cooper, I'm if you're listening to this and I know you are, I just want to tell you, you don't need this. You don't need an Academy Award. You are a talented actor and filmmaker. Uh, you don't need this golden statue, which has proved itself to be very meaningless and arbitrary on many, many occasions in the past to affirm your talent and i just want you to know that here now i can't decide whether he's like close to making the most oscar baity movie of all time or if he's close to having like a mental break and going like <laughs> jake gyllenhaal for the next 10 years yeah who by the way just, i mean has to be out of it i mean he's fully out of his mind at this point right yeah once again taylor swift was dead on uh, i i <laughs> think it, it must be said um Yes, uh, moving on, Scott. Uh, four movies uh, that are all nominated for Best Picture, getting five nominations, those movies being American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, and The Zone of Interest. Scott, it's probably worth mentioning here, we talked about Justine Triette and Jonathan Glazer getting nominated uh, in the Best Director category, of course, that the Academy continues to increase its recognition for international films, right? Um, in the case of uh, Anatomy of a Fall, a movie that was not even eligible for Best International Film because it was not submitted by France, but ends up with five nominations, including Best Picture and Best Director. Um, you know, a, a big, big, uh, you know, recognition by the Academy there for, for that film. And Neon did, you know, a very good job of, um, I guess, putting it out there and, and driving the narrative on this movie. But still, the Academy recognizing it is a very positive step, I think. Um, of course, The Zone of Interest, also an international film. It's a British film. So, it, you know, it seems like it's a little bit different. But, you know, it's it's still getting recognized in Best Picture and Best Director. It's, Best a, British Director, film. it's a British film, but the film is not an English Yeah, it's in the German language. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and best director to be fair has never been a problematic category in terms of uh you know international directors getting nominated i mean there's a run where 
like yeah. seven, it was like seven years in a row or so that international directors won the award. So um, that's not really new, but it, the film's overall getting recognized. And again, something like an international directors winning for movies in the English language, though, to be fair. Yes. Yeah, that that's true. That's true. Um, but then Bong Joon-ho kind of breaking the mold. But Scott, uh, sure. your thoughts uh, first on Anatomy of a Fall. And, the and, and Roma, to be fair. Roma was also not in English. But that's yeah. true. That's true. Your thoughts on, on these two international films and their nomination count? Yeah. I mean, look, we talked about both of these in our top 20 lists last week. I don't I don't know if I can't. Did Anatomy of Fall make your list? I can't actually remember. It made mine. It was in my spot. 11 through 20, but okay, yeah. in the top. Yeah. So we sort of like, you know, flipped, flip-flopped back and forth because Zone of Interest was in my top 20 and Anatomy of Fall in my top 10 and then vice versa for you. I was a big fan of these movies. Anatomy of Fall is one of those films that grew on me a lot on the second viewing. And since the second viewing, Zone of Interest is not the sort of film that I've mustered the the uh, courage, the gumption to watch a second time. Don't ever see myself seeing it a second time. Yeah. But nevertheless, they're really well-crafted and well-created films for completely different reasons. And I think they're deserving in these categories. Would I have had zone of interest in these categories? Like maybe like probably not. Like if we do, when we do the some like at Scott Awards, it's, it's probably not going to get five nominations. But at the same time, I understand the recognition for it. As you mentioned, the Oscars have been globalized more and more in terms of its voting body, like a larger percentage every single year uh, in terms of new inductions into the Academy are international, especially European. And I think you're seeing... The results of that, right, like very popular or very uh, prestigious, I should say, European films, Anatomy of Falls, maybe a bit, a bit more of a flick, so to speak, a bit more popular at one Palme d'Or, Zone of Interest being sort of more your prestige play, your class, not, I don't want to say the, a Holocaust movie is a classic film, but of course it's like a, a, a subgenre of dramas that has seen success in the past in the awards. Body and understandably probably resonates with a European voting body, a more European voting voting body uh, as the sort of strike a chord more and more. Same with the U.S. voting body as well, and given everything that's happening currently in the world and the geopolitics involved. So I, I sort of get it. Obviously, it's it's not a bummer to me that, you know, Anatomy of Fall didn't get its sixth nomination international feature because The Taste of Things is a film that I enjoyed so much. And I'm glad to see it put forth by France unfortunate that it did not get nominated so we don't actually see not. the results of that uh, nevertheless but you know that's neither here nor there i get it i think it's cool that these films are included maybe i wish that there was a little bit more diversity in foreign films including like again not to jump forward to like a best actor category conversation but i wish we had time for someone like koji yakusho from perfect days which was nominated for best international feature that said it's a really tough category this year yeah, it, it is. Um, and it, it is still a positive step, obviously, to see yeah. these films getting recognized, uh, you know, across the board. And, you know, even something like Anatomy of a Fall, it may even have a chance in that best original screenplay category. That's going to be an interesting category because it doesn't none of the real heavy hitter films necessarily are in there. Right. Between I think that absolutely has a chance in that category. I think it's yeah. between it and the holdovers, probably the holdovers. Yeah. Yeah, because it and seems May, like May, I mean, May, May December just has no perhaps, juice. Yeah. May December has no juice. Maestro obviously has no juice, despite it being written, co-written by a former Oscar winner. But um, 
yeah, Maestro is just, it's its own beast. It's dead in the water. But uh, that's Anatomy of a Fall in the Zone of Interest. Of course, the other two movies I mentioned there with five nominations, American Fiction and The Holdovers. Two, I guess you would say, more of the sort of traditional Oscar bait type movies, right? Uh, the Holdovers being the sort of 70s-esque uh, uh, ensemble, small ensemble drama. Um, that's just kind of a warm and cozy, you know, Christmas time set film, uh, something that you could have easily seen getting nominated for Best Picture in 1978. Um, and then American Fiction, a movie that is sort of set in the Hollywood world and making some satirical commentary about, um, you know, the the artists within uh, the the world of Hollywood, but not so satirical or savage, perhaps that um, you know it would it would greatly offend the Academy members. Uh, you know, it's not quite like May December, you might say. Yeah, that that uh, that I think is probably the the other side of the the coin there. So not surprising to see those movies getting recognized. Both perfectly solid movies for me, Scott, but neither one was close to making like my top 20 of the year and whatnot. And these are kind of the movies for me that like in five years, as I'm thinking back through the movies that get nominated, that got nominated for best picture, I will probably kind of forget or tune out the fact that these movies were, were in here and got nominated because American fiction is unlikely to win anything except for perhaps a best uh, adapted screenplay uh, and the holdovers it's, you know, maybe like we said, it has a chance at original screenplay. Certainly it has a chance in best actor with Paul Giamatti, but, and, and best supporting actress, it does seem like it's going to win. So um, a good chance to take home at least one Oscar, but, you know, just not necessarily a remarkable film for me. Yeah. I, I think that American fiction should be really pleased that it received five nominations. Yeah. I mean, it's outrageous that that film was nominated for best original score. I couldn't, I don't remember a single thing about that film score. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, wh on. which is more outrageous. Is it that or Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny getting a, uh, original genuinely, score? I think American fiction. Well, I, I mean, there, I mean, Indiana Jones is its own thing, but I think American yeah. fiction for me, is just more egregious. Like I literally, I couldn't even tell you anything about the score. I don't remember anything about it. And then yeah, John Williams, Indiana Jones, like at least there's like some of one, like one of the goat motifs in like film composing is Indiana Jones. At least like I kind of get it. And it's John Williams. I don't agree with it. We need a different goat of score composition and Joe Hasaishi in, in this bad boy. <laughs> but look, I, I don't American fiction. If I had to pick the first one out, it, it has to be that like what's going on with that. Yeah, really weird nomination for sure. One that people were pointing out. I don't, I don't know what, what we missed there, but uh, it doesn't seem like we're the only ones who missed it, Scott. I enjoyed the film, and I'm, I'm like, I'm not that negative on the film. And I'm not that negative on it. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think I am more positive than you on the film, and and yes. not even I am being like, yeah, original score, let's ride. Yeah. Yeah, very strange, but yeah, I think it's happy with its five nominations, and even if it wins nothing, I think, you know, Cord Jefferson will probably be pleased with the acknowledgement that the movie got. And The Holdovers, again, I think it, it has a chance at one or two Oscars, and I think it will be perfectly satisfied with, with taking that home, because at the end of the day, I think it is kind of a performance movie. You know, we talk about, like, yeah. American Fiction being maybe more of a screenplay movie, although it did get two performance nominations. Um, but I think the holdovers kind of uh, lives and dies on the strength of its performances. 
And, uh, you know, in the case of Paul Giamatti and Dave Joy Randolph, uh, you know, they, they had, they got some really good ones here and, um, both, yeah. uh, and the, you know, with very good chances to win. And the holdovers is probably, it's between that and poor things, right? Running number two against Oppenheimer. Not, not that that means anything in terms of consolation for your Oscars night performance, but if there's anyone who seems like is going to mount the challenge against Oppenheimer, it's going to be holdovers or it's going to be poor things. And I'd probably lean more towards it being the holdovers than poor things. Yeah. Again, it does seem like one of the most traditionally, uh, pr- maybe the most traditionally Oscar Beatty movie that's, that's here. Um, but, and, and something that's just not really going to offend anyone, right? That uh, it's it, probably in everyone's talk- top five. Right. You know yeah. I mean? We talk about the preferential ballot in the past, making a difference like that made a clear difference in parasites when, um, but, uh, here the holdovers is one of those movies, right? That maybe it's not going to be a lot of people's number one, but it would be hard to say that it's going to fall below, you know, four or five for anyone either, probably. Cause it's just, yeah. uh, a likable, but unexceptional film. I mean, I also, I think I made this comment earlier this year, but if it, if you were to craft some sort of narrative about the holdovers and it having a chance at winning best picture, Obviously, genre-wise, thematically, it's different than the films that have won Best Picture the last two years in Coda and everything all, everywhere all at once. Also, which are, you know, very different kinds of films genre-wise. But I do think it's the film of the Best Picture lineup that is leaving you feeling the closest to Coda and everything everywhere all at once at the end of the film. So in the to the extent that this would be popular amongst Academy voters... I think, yes, it is the period element that you're describing, how it's almost an homage to films made 40, 50 years ago. But I think it's also there is this cohort of the Academy that clearly these sort of feel good type movies where you feel good about the decisions made by the core central characters at the end of the film. I think it is this is that kind of movie. And I think it is that kind of movie for the nomination body this year, because you go through the rest of it. There's not really any other film like that uh this year so again it may, it may be able to win some hearts and minds in the voting body because for that reason alone yeah i think i think you're probably right about that um there there's certainly that that subset in the academy it seems um finally scott the last movie nominated for best picture received only two nominations total that's past lives celine songs film Nominated for Best Picture and also for Best Original Screenplay. It's only two nominations. Um, of course, it had um, it had a chance. It had a slim chance at getting, you know, maybe a Best Actress nomination for Greta Lee, but uh, no recognition there. Um, again, I think this is a movie that um, is going to probably be happy with the nominations that it received. Um, it's it's hard to say that there were many other categories where it necessarily missed out um you know this was sort of one of a24's big um plays this year along with the zone of interest they were able to get two movies nominated there for best picture um and past lives was one of the most critically celebrated movies of the year as well um so i think you know kind of putting putting a bow on a very good year for celine song and for this film is it's two nominations and maybe it somehow finds a way to steal that best original screenplay uh when it it would 
it would not be the biggest shock to me if it happened. Although I do think it's probably behind a couple of movies there. Yeah, it's unfortunate that it sort of ran out of steam. But the fact that it was nominated for Best Picture and it was nominated for Best Original Screenplay, I think is, you know, a credit to how strong this movie performed when, again, I think there there was totally a world in which it gets overlooked in both categories. So it, it did perform well. Would have been awesome for someone like Greta Lee or John Magaro or Teo Yu to be nominated, but that was such a long shot in happening. Greta Lee, to your point, was probably the best chance it had, but didn't play out. Right. Scott, those are the films nominated for Best Picture. Going down sort of the list of nominees and just looking uh, at some other snubs and surprises that we have not yet mentioned. Of course, sure. best, actor, best Actor, fairly chalky category if you wanted to point to one um it's mild surprise that fifth spot goes to Coleman Domingo for his performance in Rustin, um, yep. the Netflix biopic. And the person, of course, getting kept out here is Leonardo DiCaprio for his role as Ernest in uh, in Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, yep. You know, I, I think I, I'm I am 100 percent. If Ernest had been a that. civil rights figure, he would have been nominated, <laughs> you know. I've not seen Rustin, but I'm 100% certain that Killers of the Flower Moon is a better film. Uh, however, I'm not, you know, been out of shape about this. Uh, yeah. I, I really enjoy it. Does the Academy the hate Leo? Do we need to have that conversation? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're, you know, he's very, very good in the movie. There's a lot of people out there saying it's his best performance, even. Um, it yeah, obviously sure took him a very, very long time to win the award and then the movie that he did win it for was it was one of those like okay fine we'll give it to you now anyway it, it certainly wasn't his best performance in my opinion but um definitely not but yeah i i don't know it, it's a it's a weird weird thing because you would think that they would want to have like the most famous actor i mean i guess he's going to be there anyway but um i mean yeah he'll he'll be there nominated. but it is weird to not have him in the category I mean, maybe they just have blind faith. I mean, I mean, he's shown up award show after award show after award show, even not being nominated, supporting the film, supporting Lily Gladstone, supporting Marty, Marty and things like that. And um, so I, he's probably was always going to go to the ceremony. But yeah, he has a weird relationship with the Academy and I don't get it, especially for someone who's like. Not to compare him to Tom Cruise, because they're such different actors, but. Like he, he's sort of much more the awards baity, so to speak, like movie star. Him and like Brad Pitt are like what's left of the awards baity male movie stars. Tom Cruise, certainly a movie star, not awards bait. But it, it's very bizarre that they don't lean into him more than they do, in my opinion. But yeah, it is what it I is. I mean, again, you have a, a biopic performance getting in there in that last spot uh, i think you know that can't be ignored as well that coleman it's, is playing i hate to break it to you but his his performance dicaprio's performance also a biopic performance but not yes, the same but kind, not, not the same not kind the, yes not, not the, same, the kind. same kind yeah that we're talking not about. a civil rights activist this is the problem he just, ernest <laughs> needed to be a civil rights activist i guess so why, why didn't you just make him a civil rights activist marty um, but I'm excited yeah. for Coleman Domingo. He is a great actor, and I'm just going to choose to believe that this nomination was for you know any number of other great movies he's done. Zola, Zola. This is actually category fraud. They they campaigned for him in Best Actor for The Color Purple. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, 
also moving on, Scott, of course, we talked about um, best actress, best supporting actor we haven't touched on. Um, the big snub here is Charles Melton not getting nominated for uh, his performance in May, December, sort of an early awards darling or in an early yeah. award season, won a lot of critic circle awards, but May, December as a whole just faded. It only gets that best original screenplay nomination, almost like it's throwing it a bone. Um, if there was going to be an actor from that film that was going to yeah. get nominated, it was going to be Melton. It, it seemed pretty clear that the, the SAG, the SAG body did not respond super well to the two lead performances uh, in in the film from Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman, yeah. But yeah, the juice ran out for Melton as well. Yeah, uh, which which is too bad. Um, it, it really is. I mean, I would put him in over Sterling K. Brown or uh, Ryan Gosling. I haven't seen mm. Poor Things, so um, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, Ruffalo sort of swapped in for Defoe. Things who had been getting yes. nominated a lot more. Right. It does feel like Sterling K. Brown took the spot, took the spot. that would yeah. have been Charles Melton's. But yeah, I don't know. Everyone's talking about how it's a really well-deserved nomination for him. I, I like Sterling K. Brown a lot. I didn't necessarily get that from the yeah. film. But I mean, I get that there's a lot going on in that movie. But yeah, it, it, it would he wouldn't have been my choice necessarily. I'm not sure that I would have chose Charles Melton either, to be fair. But it, it was a strange one. But it, I mean, we sort of skipped over this, which is probably a more interesting conversation to actually have in Best Actor. But for Best Supporting Actor, it doesn't even matter, right? Like, yeah. it seems like Robert Downey Jr. is... If he doesn't win, then something... <laughs> Oppenheimer might not win Best Picture if Robert Downey Jr. doesn't win Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. No, the race the race is over, and that's that's where I was going next. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I think what you're alluding to in Best Actor is that the race is still on the table, and I, I think we don't have to yeah. go too deep into that because we have discussed sort of the the nuances of that race between. Killian I think Giamatti is Paul probably Giamatti. the favorite right now. Yeah, I think so too. I think you know we talked about that maybe a couple of weeks ago, last time we did news on the show, maybe. But it does seem like things are trending his way. I think the SAG award will be the final, yeah. you know, determiner. Who's the favorite? Who it's yeah. going to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, but supporting actor, you're correct. Robert Downey Jr. has it sewn up, and I find it hard to argue with that. Yep. And uh, and best supporting actress, uh, Scott, of course, the uh, we have mentioned that America Ferreira stealing in with a surprise nomination here. Uh, I'm not really sure exactly who... Uh, sort of was was left out in the cold as a result of this Penelope um, nomination. Who had been getting nominated there? Uh, does the name come to mind for you? Scott? Penelope Cruz, right for Ferrari. Um, Ferrari getting no nominations at all. Um, so uh, you know, maybe not a huge surprise in the grand scheme of things. Rosamund Pike, huge snub. Yeah, we're not acknowledging that. Um, <laughs> Otherwise, though, another category that seems to be pretty locked up, Dave Joy Randolph is going to take this for the holdovers. She's won everything so far. Um, yeah. And, you know, Emily Blunt, Danielle Brooks, and Jodie Foster will get to attend the Oscars, and that's great for them. Love to see Jodie back. We're so back right now with True Detective Night Country. Yeah, big moment for her, for sure. Um, she disappeared for a while, but... Uh, Jody is is back in a big way. 
Um, Scott, moving on, uh, again, just looking a little further down, best animated feature. Uh, of course, the two big hitters, the boy and the hare, and, and Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Oh, the race is going to be between the two of them. Um, one minor snub, which I am a little uh, cross about, is TMNT Mutant Mayhem not getting a nomination here. Um, Robot Dreams, a film that I haven't even heard of, gets nominated. Then you have Nimona and Elemental, the Pixar film, which, you know, gets nominated because it's Pixar, but like in terms of overall Pixar movies, it's pretty far down on the list of the ones that I've seen. And I think well, it, that doesn't matter. it doesn't matter where it is in the oeuvre. I, I, I know it doesn't matter. I know it was going to get nominated anyway, but just in a perfect world. Uh, you Would you really have, put TMNT yeah. in over Elemental? Yes, absolutely. Interesting. Better movie. Um, I mean, Nimona's. I don't know what Robot Dreams is, but Nimona doesn't need to be in. Doesn't need to be in. Did you see it? I did, yeah. Oh, okay, I didn't realize you saw it. Um, yeah, no, I haven't seen Nimona, so I can't comment there. But anyway, it's between The Boy and the Heron and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I think I kind of lead towards The Boy and the Heron at this point, too. I, I kind of think it's a slight favorite um, at this point in the race. Odds have Spider-Verse being the favorite right now, but it's very close. They're both great films. Uh, I'm not going to quibble too much about it, although I would prefer to see Miyazaki win. Um, but it's not at the top of his oeuvre, Scott. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> well, who cares? He, you know that that's Changing that your tune so a, quickly. <laughs> that speaks to that speaks to him as a filmmaker that his you know fifth yep. or sixth best movie is still worthy of of this award, but. Uh, best international film, Scott. Um, of course, we mentioned that things get a little weird with this category sometimes. Um, the Zone of Interest getting nominated a United Kingdom film. Um, I don't think it'll be weird that the Zone of Interest will win this category. But yeah, yeah, it will not. Uh, but Perfect Days, Vin Vendors getting nominated, the uh, Japanese nomination or Japanese submission. Um, Society of the Snow, which is a Netflix movie that just came out, directed by J.A. Bayona, uh, of all people, getting uh, not nominated for best international film spain submission and then the teacher's lounge which is a movie that's kind of just opening up um i saw that it's going to be showing at my indie theater um this weekend uh, a german film um and lo capitano the italian uh, submission also getting nominated so you know not some of the bigger io you know, capitano oh yeah i apologize misread that but um, that movie getting nominated, not necessarily some of the more talked about international films, you know, like the taste of things you mentioned, France's, um, submission, perhaps you would have expected to see in there. Um, France has just made some baffling decisions, I guess, in recent years, as far as what they choose to submit. Um, yeah. Funny, sure funny that they go with the can or the Palm door winner when the film is a film about sex with a car. Weird that they don't go with the Palme d'Or winner when it's a film that has wide appeal. <laughs> when it's Anatomy of the Fall, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Very strange. But uh, yeah, there you go. Best International Film, Zone of Interest is going to take this one. Documentary, Scott, uh, you know, a, oh, another weird category. Uh, yeah, the favorite in this category was not nominated. <laughs> was not nominated, right. Uh, yeah. American Symphony, the John Batiste documentary. Uh, Barack Obama getting snubbed. Uh, his his uh, production company was involved with yeah. uh, creating that film. Uh, not nominated. Uh, instead, a bunch of movies that I haven't really heard very much about. Uh, well, the Eternal nominated. Memory was a pretty popular Sundance documentary 
about uh, a journalist. Tina Shea, right. Yes. Following a couple of. Oh, no, who... I'm sorry. That's. No, not Pinochet. I mixed um, that up with Pablo Lorraine's other movie, El Conde. They got nominated for, for Best Cinematography. Well, that would be pretty crazy if El Conde was a documentary feature. That'd be pretty sick. Yeah, you know, I, I mixed <laughs> it up. Yeah. I just mixed um, up the, the subject matter because that movie is about Pinochet. But... Yes, The Eternal Memory is about a. Um, a couple, essentially, a couple of which one of whom is is deteriorating from like Alzheimer's deter- deterioration, and you know, not a film for the faint of heart. I'll say it can be pretty brutal, especially if you have personal experience with a family member who has gone through that thing. But it's um, it's quite. It was it was pretty affecting. I do think, however, Twenty Days in Maripol, which was I believe was another Sundance documentary from last year, one I did not see, but that will probably win, is my understanding. Now that America, yeah, of course, the other another big snub is the the documentary that we both love, Scott, uh, Beyond Utopia, um, about North Korean defect. I mean, I got a whole list of Beyond Utopia menus, yeah, uh, piano forte, another sentence documentary, as you said last week. However, um, you know, Fred Wiseman definitely not an Academy darling, so never, never Uh, been popular with the Academy. I think he's literally never been nominated. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I, I can't imagine. Yeah. Hey, his movies are just too long. You can't expect those Academy members to actually sit through the whole movie. What are you doing, Fred? Um, <laughs> yeah, idiot. Uh, best original song, Scott. Uh, speaking of things getting weird, uh, Diane Warren did a song for Flamin' oh, yeah. Hot, so the Cheetos movies. Uh, you could say we're movie. so back, but honestly, we were never gone because Diane Warren's always been here. <laughs> Flamin' Hot nominated for an Oscar. Michael Mann not nominated for any Oscars for his film. Let's just let that sink in for a moment. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, The Fire Inside nominated. That's the Diane Warren song. Of course, Barbie uh, getting two songs in there. I'm Just Ken and What Was I Made For, the Billie Eilish track that will but didn't get its third almost song certainly yet. win. Right, but Dua Lipa not getting nominated for the big radio hit, Dance the Night. Um, kind of surprising. Uh, again, the Academy being the Academy, it doesn't nominate American Symphony in Best Documentary, it but it does nominate it for Best Original Song. Uh, yeah. d- don't really get Dude, what legends. they're doing here. But. Legends, you know. Uh, and of course, we all know that the biggest snub was Dear Alien from Asteroid City, not nominated. Sure. Asteroid City not nominated for anything, which kind of makes me want to die inside because production design, guys, it's right there. Um, sure. But yeah, what was I made for? Billie Eilish wins every award that she's nominated for. She won a Grammy for this song last night. Um, so kind of crazy. Song Kinda of crazy. the year. Song of yeah. the year for a, a, a film song. It hasn't happened since My Heart Will Go On. Uh, so there you go. Um, Scott, that's pretty much it. You know, we've talked about the other sort of below the line categories. Um, yeah. Any other, uh, you know, narratives or snubs or surprises that you want to call out here before we wrap up? No, I think we were pretty thorough, honestly. I didn't expect us to to be this thorough. I think we didn't really talk about the best actress category. I do think that we'll see how things go at SAG. But I think regardless of how things go at the SAG Awards, I think that this race is still going to be wide open on Oscars night, which is always exciting to actually have one of the major categories feel like an actual race. We didn't talk about best director but that's another category that feels fully locked up so you know it, it's cool to have potentially have two best actors and best actor in this in these cases categories that on the big night 
may very well be a sort of who do we think is going to win kind of scenario, which doesn't really feel like that's happened in a while to have two of them. I feel like usually there's one yeah. where we're like, who's going to win, but yeah, to have two of again, them, I feel like, I feel like the guild awards may erase some of the suspense, but who knows? We'll see. Um, I just think the races I, are both close enough right now where there will, the guild awards will determine who the favorite is going into the night, but I don't think it's inconceivable that sure. either of the two people could still win and it wouldn't be a, a huge surprise. Sure. Uh, the last thing I do want to mention, Scott, is I did mention El Conde a moment ago, the sure. po- other Pablo Lorraine film. Um, and I do want to sh- to just shout out the fact that the great Edward Lackman, uh, cinematographer who uh, is known primarily for his work with uh, Todd Haynes on all of his movies. Um mm-hmm. He uh, he got a nomination for shooting um, for El Conde. It is his third nomination. Uh, he was nominated for two other Todd Haynes films, Far From Heaven and Carol, before this. Um, but very cool that uh, you know he gets to be recognized. He's a he's a great cinematographer, and El Conde was a movie that absolutely no one was talking about, despite it being directed by Pablo Lorraine. So um, it's cool that the Academy recognized his work here in a movie that they very easily could have just overlooked. Yeah, very, very easily could have overlooked because there's definitely a lot of films that could have been nominated in that category. Yeah. All right, Scott. Well, that should just about do it for this episode of Some Like It, Scott. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast. If you have and you'd like to support us, don't forget about our Patreon page at patreon.com slash media plug pods. Even if you can't support us over there, however, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, like, do all the things that you do on your preferred podcast app. And we hope you'll be back in two weeks for our next episode on which we'll be trying something new, a new show format for you all to, to take a listen to and decide whether you like it or not. But we'll be, we'll be bringing something new to Some Like It, Scott. So keep your eyes peeled on the podcast feed in a couple of weeks uh, because we will have that for you. If you haven't, gotten through our top 10 uh, movies of the year countdown episode yet go back and listen to that uh, during the week off because it was a great episode and it's worth listening all the way through to the end Uh, but until then for scott shelton i'm scott harvey we'll see you down the road